Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It is Friday, the 9th of December, unless you're watching live, in which case it is Wednesday, the 7th of <laughs> December. So we, we pre-record this a couple of days. It gives us a few days to edit it, etc. And we're trying for the first time, um, we're trying to um, stream it live on Periscope. So if you happen to be up and uh, we've tweeted it out and we um, have... Okay, it's only three people, but, you know, got to start somewhere watching us. Um, We have a fantastic show lined up for you, episode 71. Um, Later on in the show, um, we chat to Kathy Hackle, who's an AR and VR expert and um, someone who's incredibly passionate about the space. Now, AR and VR is constantly in the press and it's um, it's an absolutely fascinating um, area. We've got so much to talk about after the interview. Kate and I went and did a, a little field trip to try out some some VR um, programs and experiences. Um, as always, you can tweet us at Monkey Podcast. You can check out the show notes at itsamonkey.com. Um, on the previous show, episode seventy, we chatted to Peter Cohen about uh, Facebook fake news which was a really interesting story about where fake news comes from mainly from teenage boys in moldova which i found i still still (laughs) find it quite interesting and and as always with me is my co-host kate propel she is the design lead at managed flitter kate thanks so much for joining us again no problems um so as always we chat about a couple of news stories just to help people keep the finger on the pulse um, what is happening um, this week in some of the tech news? Uh, so first item for today is, so Amazon have launched a cashier-free convenience store. Um, currently only being used by their employees. So you basically walk in, scan your phone, um, and they've got heaps of cameras and sensors tracking your movements. You take what you want and you walk out. So... Basically, as you walk in the shop, you sort of you have an app and it scans a QR code or something like that. Yep. So it's aware that you're in the shop, right? Mm-hmm. Then you walk around, pick up whatever you want. Yep. And then you just walk out. Yep. And the app and the sensors and whatever tech they've got there is aware of what you've walked out with, and it just pings your your payment, credit card, or PayPal or whatever it is, and it's a done deal. Yep. I'm assuming that's all through Amazon. You must have credit or attaching your credit card. Um, but, yeah, apparently it feels just like shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, I, read, <laughs> I, I read that. But 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 I think they've got more cameras on you than ever. I, I find this really interesting. I mean, it's, it, it removes all the friction. Mm. Um, you know, I find those self-service checkouts, um, things which we've got in Australia a lot, um, I really don't like them. You know, to Why? Me, to me, I find it adds more friction. Maybe because um, I don't use I don't use them often. All the little health food stores I go to have yeah. cashiers. So on the odd occasion, I go to one of our big supermarkets. Uh, I'm like, oh, user interface, bag, no bag. What it's just <laughs> all seems like a bit a, a bit too much of a hassle. Um, oh no, I, I actually enjoy it. I love the. It's so much faster than having to wait wait in, in line a line and have someone scan it. Uh, I mean, you lose that interaction with other people and having a chat with the cashier and stuff. But sometimes you just you don't want to do that. You want to get your stuff. And you want to get out. But this Amazon though takes it to a whole new level because it's totally yep. frictionless, right? You yep. walk in the store, find what you want, and you walk out. And uh, I, I very much think this could be the future of everything, right? Yeah. Well, they're suggesting that they're going to try and open. I think it's two thousand stores next year. 
And Amazon, I mean, definitely can't be underestimated. Jeff Bezos, who's the CEO of Amazon, I mean, he is a really smart CEO, really gutsy mm. CEO. Of course, they created um, Amazon AWS Web Services, which essentially the entire uh, internet is currently sitting on. You know, it's a cloud-based mm. service that is just absolutely fantastic, turning over a massive chunk of their revenue at the moment. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't put it past me for them to you know, do this full circle and, you know, not only did they revolutionize e-commerce, now they may revolutionize bricks and mortar. Yes, exactly. And they'll, like, use it to their advantage as well, I'm sure. With all the cameras and the sensors, they'll even track what you might have picked up and read and put back. So they'll know that you're interested in a certain product and they can target you with ads on all their platforms. Ah, uh, the data metrics that you'd be able to get would be, mm. you know, a, a dream. I mean, maybe maybe they're piloting this technology and actually just license or sell this technology, you know, to... Potentially. But because to be retailers and supply chains, I suppose they already, you know, have all of that in place for the e-commerce side of things. Mm. Um, what I found interesting, though, is how they're going to track the individual. So when you scan your, when you scan your phone when you walk in... Are they tracking the movements of that phone? In which case, if you stood next to someone and then reached across them, would it confuse who bought what? It's, uh, it's probably based on your phone, I would imagine. So if you gave your phone to someone, um, it would it would you know be tied into their phone, unless they do something really funky like face recognition or something like mm. that, which is just totally possible. I mean, that technology you know is is all there. Of course, you know, with, with a lot of these technologies, we've, we've spoken about Uber in the past and self-driving cars and, and how people lose jobs and that side of things. Um, you know, cashiers in many countries are, are you know, student jobs or, or people that don't have much option to get something else. And it's very, it's a bit of pill to swallow when you're the one who loses your job, you know. Sure. It's, but... Um, but they also noted that, that it's not being stocked by robots or anything like that. So there's always going to be, you always need at this people. stage, there'll be people packing shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely, you know, I hate shopping. It's just the whole experience is just very ordinary generally. Mm. Um, so anything that removes the, the friction around it, absolutely. So anyway, that's Amazon. Also, Reddit. We don't talk a lot about Reddit. Um, um I don't think any of us in the office are huge Reddit users. I pop in every now and then and, and you know, Reddit is almost like a discussion forum, um, you know, but, but, but a sort of web-based discussion forum meets Twitter, meets, um, you know, content. It's an interesting meets dig, which, you know, used to be quite popular that surfaced interesting articles where people mm. would post an article and if they found it interesting, they would upvote it or downvote it. And yeah. so it would be this crowdsourcing effect of you would find out what an interesting article is. So it's a bit of a combination of all of them. Yeah. Um, and whenever um, I land up on Reddit, um, I enjoy it. I, I actually enjoy it, but somehow it just doesn't draw me in like you made the point it's it's not as doesn't draw us in the same way Cora draws us in or medium no. draws us in i think a lot of that could be the um the interface as well and just the user experience like if you don't enjoy reading it or you get confused then you don't really want to come back it's um the app's pretty good the android app's pretty good Okay. Yeah, the Android app I quite like and you can subscribe to different categories so like the Twitter category and the blockchain category and you can get a notification mm -hmm. when someone posts in there okay. and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite 
it's 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 of a sort of much more informal nature than Cora is. It's not long form. It's people asking questions or having mm. a quick discussion. And mm. is know. the aim of the game to get your discussion on the homepage? I mean, the aim is the aim is much more informal. I mean, the aim is to ask questions or share interesting links, or particularly topic based. You know, right. so there's a blockchain category there that's relatively. Um, you know, active. So anyway, the new story this week around Reddit is that they've redone all their algorithms so that it's it's more difficult to game. It's one of the problems with a lot of these social media networks is that um, people learn how to game them, mm. you know, and it's always a cat and mouse um, chase to find out, you, you know, to, to prevent gaming, you know, mm. and Google's always tweaking its algorithm um, so that people can't game it and they're constantly tweaking their algorithm um, you know, Facebook and their newsfeed algorithm, um, even Twitter with, you know, getting rid of spam bots and things like that. So Reddit have totally reworked from the ground up um, their voting system. I mean, the voting system is pretty, it's, it's quite smart. You know, it's, it's, it's crowdsourcing in a way where someone talks about something, if they find it interesting, that gets more upvotes and then it bumps mm-hmm. to the top of the category if it gets downvoted, it gets, you know, it goes to the bottom. Yeah. But so when you say they're gaming it, they're finding ways to upvote things en masse with bots or... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And there is some point um, system in Reddit, which I don't quite understand, which they're reworking as well. Hmm. Um, but I think, I think Reddit is also quite famous for obscure categories as well. Okay. You know, things like, like, things like the blockchain or things like gender politics or things, you know, I think also with Reddit, it's a lot easier to be um, anonymous as well. Mm. So you can create throwaway accounts. And, you know, the history of the internet comes from anonymity and there's, and even though anonymity can cause problems such as trolling and things like that, it can also be advantageous if someone wants to discuss honestly something that is, um, you know, controversial or sensitive yeah. You know, to be able to do it anonymously, especially teenagers and your, or people in countries where, mm-hmm. you know, freedom of speech is not such an issue, is an issue, to be able to do it anonymously, there's actually huge value in that. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way of learning if you don't want the, um, I guess, real life ramifications of asking certain questions. Exactly. Exactly. But of course, you can also use your full name and real name, you know, on there mm-hmm. as well. Can you become Reddit famous? <laughs> Good question. I mean, you can drive a lot of traffic from Reddit as well, you know. Um, so as a content marketer, if you hang out there and you, you, you contribute valuable opinions and, you, you know, you can. I mean, when we did the blockchain interview a few weeks ago with Tim Lee, um, I posted the link in the blockchain um, Ah, okay. um, category got quite a f- um, I don't know half a dozen upvotes you know a few click throughs nothing okay. you know stratospheric but Did it's anyone discuss it like replies no no uh, okay not to that one you know but um, mm. so it's it's been around for a long time Reddit and it was um, we actually many many podcasts ago there's some discussions about some controversies at Reddit where the leaders in Reddit were involved in some some politics so if people are that interested they can dig up some of our old podcasts where James and I uh, do discuss that. Oh, so, okay. So Reddit has been around for, for quite a while. 
Um, it's not a new, mm. and it is one of these. Uh, it's owned by a very big company. I think is it IAG? I think the same company that owns um, Tinder. Oh. I stand to be corrected, but one of the big companies um, owns Reddit. So yeah, worthwhile worthwhile checking out, particularly if you're into obscure topics. Not only tech, you know, a lot of um, you know relationship discussions and family dynamic discussions and mysteries of the universe yeah yeah life <laughs> life and everything so that's reddit um anyway uh that's the, the news for today we're going to take a quick break and um we are going to come back with the interview um with kathy hackle where i spoke to kathy about ar and vr and uh the wonderful uh, tsunami of innovation and uh um, change coming around that technology. So uh, stick with us and we'll be back after this break. Hi, my name is Dave Zarati and I'm the customer support specialist here at Manage Flitter. Manage Flitter is a tool that helps you work faster and smarter on Twitter. With Manage Flitter, you can clean up and grow your Twitter account. You will also get access to useful Twitter analytics, social content scheduling, and much more. Go to manageflitter.com and start your free trial today. You're back with the It's a Monkey podcast. We talk about everything relating to tech, the tech economy, startups, entrepreneurship, and one topic which is just getting more and more relevant and more and more topical and I think is going to change the world in radical ways we haven't even yet thought of yet is VR and AR, virtual reality and augmented reality. So I sort of searched far and wide to find someone who lives, eats, and breathes this topic. And I found them in Gainesville, Florida. And I'm happy to say at the end of my Skype line, Kathy Hackle is joining us. And Kathy is a AR and VR evangelist and a content strategist for VR Salon. Kathy, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, share some of the AR, VR knowledge uh, with the rest of the world. So let's firstly just just briefly uh, chat about the difference between the, a, the AR and the VR because some uh, some of the people listening aren't exactly across all these technologies. So give us a a brief summary of the difference between AR and VR, and um, you know, is that difference going to be um, significant over time? Are they going to become one and the same thing, but just different modes? Talk us through uh, where we at with that. Yeah, I think that you see a lot of news saying like trying to put VR against AR. And I really think it's about a spectrum. It's about a spectrum of technologies. I think that that's where we need to start. So it's not one against the other. It's a spectrum of technologies. Uh, and VR, the easiest way to define VR is when you're in a, it's a digital environment that uh, where you're fully immersed in that environment. And what I mean by that is that you usually experience VR using a headset that covers your eyes. So you are completely immersed. You're blocked. The real world is blocked from what you're seeing. So uh, you could be seeing com a completely, um, you know, computer generated environment, or you could be seeing a 360 degree video within the headset, but you're, you're, the real world is completely shut out from that. So that's virtual reality in a nutshell. Um, and then augmented reality is when you have the real world, but there's a digital overlay. So digital element to it. So when people played Pokemon Go, which a lot of folks now think, oh, that's augmented reality. They, you know, they they were they had probably experienced augmented reality when they were using Snapchat lenses, but they didn't know it. Um, so you remember, you know, when you're doing Pokemon Go, 
you're using your phone and you find these little creatures everywhere. So that's the real world with the digital overlay. And what really gets me excited is kind of the next iteration of what AR is going to become, which is called mixed reality. And some people use the term augmented reality and mixed reality equally. Um, I think the big difference there and the key difference there is that in mixed reality, that digital element, you're going to be able to interact with that digital element. You're going to be able to grab it. You're going to be able to do things with that digital element that you're not able to do right now. So there's a theory in tech that all significant technologies start out as a toy. So whether you look at the airplane or the car or, or um, computers, computers might be slightly different because they start in the military but is vr and ar still um, at the point of where it's a toy i mean social media even started out as a toy and now businesses you know are, are immersed in it everyone uh, well a lot of people have, have seen the vr headsets uh, a lot of people have heard of pokemon go has it started to impact real industries for example medicine or business or um, architecture or real estate. I don't, I haven't really stumbled or bumped up upon that. It still seems to be in the domain of enthusiasts at this stage. I think that's a great point. Um, I think that when people hear VR, many of them think gaming or esports, or they think, you know, the PlayStation virtual, the PSVR that just came out. Um, so yes, while it is, um, while a lot of the content is still very game heavy, um, there are going to be amazing applications for the spectrum of technologies when it comes to work. And the way I frame the conversation around virtual reality and augmented reality, when I'm speaking to a group of people or an audience is that at the heart of it, um, what we're really talking about here is the next computing platform. So, and I'm going to repeat that at, at the heart of it, it is about the next computing platform. It's how we're going to interact um, with computers. And I think, and, that, and, I, I, and I think, sorry to interrupt there. I think people, don't, oh, no worries. I think people don't understand how significant that is. I think Mark Zuckerberg does, and that's why he bought Oculus Rift. Uh, but people don't really understand. I, I have friends and family that laugh at me the whole time when I explain some of these concepts and how, um, you know, our whole reality is going to be, we're not going to have our reality in our reality. We're going to be able to plug into a whole variety of different realities. Mm -hmm. Completely. And I think that when you hear, hear people saying, oh, it's just a fad. No, it's not a fad. I mean, um, Mark Zuckerberg, like you said, he paid $2 billion, with a B, billion dollars for Oculus. Um, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why Microsoft is going all in on the HoloLens. Um, there's a lot of moving parts here. And it's not, it's about, it starts with gaming, but the reality is that this is going to change the way we work. This is going to change, we do medicine, the way we do medicine, it's going to change many, many different elements of, of the future. Um, in because of what the things I've done and, and kind of the people I'm connected to, I've been able to try out some of the things that are coming down the line and I can't really share everything because I've signed some NDAs. Um, but I can tell, tell you, um, I've seen the future and I've seen how my kids are going to interact with computers and it's truly mind blowing and fantastic and it's exciting. And I think people, instead of scared, because a lot of people tend to get a little scared, should be excited about this new change in technology. I mean, we already have augmented reality in many, many mm -hmm. ways. We just don't call it that. I mean, a movie, for example, right? In a way, in a way, it's an augmented reality, and it tricks your brain. Our brain is wonderfully good at many things, but our brain 
can't always tell what's real and what's fantasy. It just takes what's input to it. So if someone cries in a movie, you on many levels know that that's not real, but in many ways it is real to you. And augmented reality and virtual reality in a way is just a huge extension of that, right? Completely. And I, and I think when you're in, in the virtual reality space, you're having an experience in virtual reality, it, it happens so much faster than it would in a different way. Like if you're at the movies or something, when you're in a virtual reality space, it takes minutes. It takes minutes to realize that what you're feeling is real. And your brain is completely immersed in this. So it thinks it's real. Um, there's been studies done that show that after wearing a virtual reality headset and looking at something, you're going to have a better um, recollection a better memory of what you just saw because your brain is going to remember that as it's going to think it's a real memory without, you know, it's obviously not. Um, but the, you're going to remember things a lot crispier. And, um, and I always tell people, um, I've done many experiences and I did two that really impacted me. Uh, one of them is, I'm going to start with the, say, the fun one, um, Brookhaven experiment, which I, I played. And it's really a game where your zombies are coming after you. Okay, so you're in there and you know the zombie is not real, but you see it coming. And what you feel is real fear. Like there's no way to get around it. It's real fear because you know it's not real. You know they're wearing a headset, but it's coming at you and you're completely immersed. So you feel real fear. Um, so that's one of the things. And then I tried one called um, Confinement by Riot News, where you're in a solitary confinement cell that's, that's got very small dimensions. And it kind of just shows you where, you know, um, prisoners that are in solitary confinement spend 90 percent of their day. And I was in there for literally maybe three to four minutes and I was already claustrophobic. So I can't imagine having to live my life like that. So those two really, really kind of set, you know, kind of make me realize like this is like this is this is truly a an amazing and revolutionary revolutionary technology. Has there been any developments on, on other sensory inputs? Like, you know, we've most of it's based on, on sight and sound, but it would be so much more powerful if some of the other senses, um, you know, the haptic type sensors or the, the smells or anything like that. I mean, if you put on a virtual reality headset and you go to, you know, a forest walk or something and you can actually smell it, it would even, it would even take you that much further. Any... Any developments in that in that arena? There's definitely a lot of startups working on the haptic side of it. Um, I've seen a lot of startups that have, you know, that are working on a kind of a second type of skin or on making sure that there are some devices you, that you might be able to put on your body while you're in the VR experience so you can feel. So this is definitely being worked on as we speak, that kind of like second skin or second um, I don't know what to call it, but uh, that's already been worked on. Like it's very, I think it's very, um, very new. Uh, I think the whole industry in general is kind of in an embryonic stage. So those things will come. Um, I also tell people, for example, the, mo the, the most funded startup in the history of the world is called Magic Leap. And if people that are listening to this are interested in uh, augmented reality and mixed reality, Go look at Magic Leap and what they're doing. And what they are doing is actually working with our eyes, with people's eyes, to create the perfect 
um, mixed reality um, wearable. We don't know yet if it's going to be a headset. Some people think it's a headset, uh, but it really is going to work with your eyes. So um, eventually what we're going to see are these wearables, but maybe we'll see, you know, um, an implant or something of that nature. I know that scares people, but, um, but you know, I think that it's going to be working with our senses to make this even better. And for the scent, for the smell one, I mean, there's, there's some funny ones out there, uh, but I know that's being definitely, it's being worked on, you know, it's a trickier one. The, the, the smell. It's a trickier one. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to pull off, but it's not going to be very realistic. Quote unquote, you're going to have to put something on your nose, let's say, or there's going to have to be some, uh, you know, some machines, you know, with different senses throwing those at you. So it's not going to be as subtle, let's say, at this point. Harder to calibrate, sort of, uh, you know, control the smell side of things. Would it be possible to, I mean, a movie is very linear in a way and, and it's, you know, even though it's a recreated reality or capture of a reality, with all the processing power, and I mean, it's almost like um, rendering on the fly in a way. I mean, would it would it be possible to, um, you know, um, define an, a, a person or an object or an experience based on reality, like um, you know, like three D scan your dog, you know, and and for all of your life be able to hop into um, mm. either virtual reality or, or even bring in an augmented reality version of your dog. I know it sounds a bit wacky, but... Um, no, no, no. Not to me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me. No, I completely agree with what you're saying, Kevin. And that's one of the things I tell people. So think about this. Let's say um, you probably, everyone you know, has a relative that has passed away. And you have memories of them, but you might not remember certain things. Those memories start to fade. But if you're able to 3D scan them um, or do a 360 degree video, which later you're going to be able to, be able to kind of um, add a digital element to, what if you can go back to having coffee with your Nana, you know, where you're actually going to be able to see how her hair went to one side, um, where you're going to be able to have those memories in a very different um, and intact way. I think it's beautiful. I mean, I know it sounds like you said a little wacky to some people, but if you think about it, um, I think it's very beautiful that we're going to be able to have that, um, you know, that you're going to be able to leave a message for, you know, for your family in a hologram that you're, you know, you're going to be uh, with a HoloLens, you're going to, people are going to be able to see you as a hologram. So, so I think that there's a lot of good things that will come from this technologies in that sense. Will it, um, will it, Will you be able to interact them in a in a natural way, though? I mean, how far are we away from from we doing something like that? I, I don't know. I mean, not right now, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, but we don't really know what magic leap is going to give us. So, um, so we'll have to see because that's the whole point with mixed reality. And what they're trying to do is uh, being able to interact with that digital overlay. Do you think? I mean, do you think the next generation? Do you mean? Do you think? Kathy, that someone being born today is going to, by the time that they a teenager or in their twenties, I mean, their world is just going to be indistinguishable in terms of what's baseline reality, what's augmented, what's virtual. I mean, they might be just seamlessly going in between the two and almost seamlessly not knowing, um, you know, which one's which. I mean, is is that type of future possible? Scenario possible? Mm-hmm. So I wrote this article mm-hmm. um, for the Huffington Post where I talked about uh, how I noticed that my children were very accepting of the technologies and how I consider them to be virtual natives. Um, they've tried Google Tilt Brush. They're, they've done a lot of different experiences 
Um, and as a caveat, I mean, as, as a side note here, most children, children are not, not really supposed to try virtual reality until they're 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've let my children try it out for a couple minutes and they've been okay. Why, you know, why, why is that? Why? I mean, that's relatively late, 12, 13, I guess. Yeah, I mean, some people, some come like here in the United States, all the things say 12 or 13 and above. Uh, I know other countries start at eight. Um, I don't understand really why, because I've seen, I haven't really seen any issues with my children. Um, I've seen plenty of children using the headsets. There's actually junior headsets out there. Um, there's Virtual Reality Kids Fest in, outside the United States. So um, I think it's just one of those things where they want to protect themselves in case of anything. Mm. So um, so we'll have to see. But they've my kids have been very open and very receptive to these technologies. And they don't even ask questions. They just accept them as fact. And I think that that's the interesting part, that our children um, – are growing up with these technologies. Like it's going to be part of how they interact. So I think that, you know, we have digital natives, which you and I probably are, you know, considered digital natives and, uh, and the younger, you know, the younger millennials are too. But as we see this new generation, these are going to be called the virtual natives. Okay. So if someone's listening to the show and they've been curious about AR and VR, what's a good starting place in terms of, I know there's a few different hardware bits and pieces. There's a bit of, you know, different software components and maybe even just say they're not a gamer. Let's, let's sort of leave the gaming out of it. What's, what are some good, um, 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 sort of hardware to, to look yeah. at and, and pieces of software, a good, a good way to start. Well, I think, um, one of these is especially with augmented reality. I mean, with augmented reality, your phone has uh, many capabilities. Like I said, Pokemon Go, there's other games. Um, I actually just bought the Lenovo Fab 2, which is the first Google Tango, Google Tango enabled phone. So it allows you to do um, AR on your phone on a different level. And for example, it's going to allow me to add digital elements um, that I can add in pictures. Uh, It's going to allow me to 3D scan my house and create models that way. Um, It's going to allow me to um, to create um, some amazing AR experiences. So let's say if you want to spend some five hundred dollars or what have you, uh, the Lenovo Fab 2 Pro is um, definitely a way to start. And the Google Tango is um, it's a it's a it's Google's platform for um, AR or VR for AR. Mostly. Yeah. For AR. So. Um, so it's, it's a, let's say this is the first phone where you're going to be able to do this. There's a Google Tango enabled tablet, but I haven't really, uh, and I have one, but I haven't really seen that, that many people purchasing it. I think the Lenovo Fab 2 Pro, which was announced many months ago is finally available and, um, it's available in the United States and I believe it's going to become available outside the U S pretty soon. Um, but you know, for that kind of price, it's relatively good in the sense that, a Microsoft HoloLens, which right now is one of the best AR experiences you can get, is going to run you about three thousand US dollars. It's a huge difference in price there. Um, there's also another headset called the Meta M E T A, and um, I've tested that one as well. And it's pretty interesting and fantastic. Um, the developer's kit for that is about nine hundred dollars, so US dollars. So AR is still, I would say, on the expensive side. And there's very limited things, uh, but that will soon change. That will soon change. And you've got Google Cardboard, which is very inexpensive, but it's not necessarily the best experience. Uh, Then you have the plastic headsets, which are a little bit better, like um, the regular plastic or the Gear VR. 
uh, in the Google Daydream Viewer, which is not really necessarily plastic. It's a different material, but it's the same concept. Um, but they don't have what we call six degrees of freedom, which you're, we are able to kind of like move within a certain space. You have to consume uh, the cardboard, let's say, uh, sitting down. Has there been much progress on um, the motion sickness in VR? I think they're definitely working on that. I think that they're they're trying to make it better and they're trying to make it um, a better experience. Uh, one of my friends calls the plastic headsets that you can get for twenty or thirty dollars. He calls them a headache in a box. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with him because I've never had that problem. But he definitely tells me like, what if someone buys this? They have buys this headset has a bad experience and just doesn't want to do anything with VR. I'm like, okay, I understand that you're a VR purist, but, um, (laughs) but you know, it's a first way to, you know, first way to enter into VR because, um, right now you've got the HTC Vive and you've got the Oculus Rift and those are really the top headsets right now. Um, but they're very expensive and you need, um, well, that's kind of, um, you know, you need a gaming PC, um, you can use a lower end now, a lower PC with the Rift, but not. it won't be as good as if you have a gaming PC. So, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's several options on what you can buy. Um, I would just say if you want to invest a little money without going too crazy, get the Gear VR, the Samsung Gear VR, and, and kind of go from there. It's um, not only is it expensive, it's probably going to become obsolete pretty quickly. Um, so you sort of hit with a bit of a double, double whammy on those technologies. It is. It is. That's the thing. For example, I'll give you an example, Kevin. I had a friend of mine stop by this weekend and he's got um, the virtual virtual reality backpack. So basically what that means is you normally need a gaming PC, like I said, to run the Oculus Rift or the um, or the HTC Vive. So a company called MSI, MSI Gaming, created a backpack, which is literally a computer that you can just plug in all your Oculus Rift or HTC Vive into. Well, um, and I got to test it out this week and it was fantastic. But two days before he came over, um, HTC Vive came out with an adapter to make the HTC Vive. Um, it's produced by a different company to make it wireless, you know, untethered. So that's the problem. There's a lot of innovation and it's fast and furious, but it's making certain things obsolete without them actually being out in, in the market. So, um, it, well, it's, you know, it's really interesting. It's like, what do you invest your money in? You know, it, it's a tough call, I would say. And tell us uh, quickly, Kathy, um, the startup scene in Florida, we don't hear much about it. We hear about San Francisco, we hear about um, New York, we hear about Austin, we hear about Boulder, a um, little bit about Seattle, Portland, Chicago, but we don't hear much about Florida. I mean, you did mention Magic Leap. What's the startup scene like in your part of the world? It's interesting. Magic Leap is based in Florida. So um, they... Uh, They have offices in a few different places, but they are based, their headquarters and their CEO, they're all based in Florida, in Dania Beach, which is close to Miami. Um, So I do see a lot of innovation coming from Florida, Um, definitely uh, innovation towards the Latin American market. I think we're going to see a lot of content creation that's going to be geared towards the Spanish speaking market here. Um, But it's very vibrant. Even in my small town of Gainesville, Florida, there is a big push for having a startup community and I'm starting to see some uh, pretty amazing st- startups kind of like coming out of here. So, 
will definitely definitely keep an eye on it, and I think it's pretty fortuitous that you uh, that you in uh, you know the HQ of virtual reality next to or, or an AR too far from Magic Leap. Kathy Hackle, VR AR evangelist, content strategist at VR Salon. I think we could carry on talking about this forever, um, but we're going to have you back on the show hopefully. And I really appreciate the time that you've made for us um, chatting about all things AR and VR. Very exciting times. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by CheckDog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to checkdog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. Checkdog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error-free. You're back with It's a Monkey podcast. We talk about everything relating to tech, the tech economy, startups, um, entrepreneurship, and um, we've moved actually to once a week. We're giving it a go. Um, I'm quite liking the once a week. Kate. What, what do you think? We've got in a rhythm, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're getting, a, a, I guess, yeah, a rhythm and a routine in place, which is working out pretty well. And I think we've had such fantastic guests. Um, I, um, I got a message from a friend about my interview with uh, Danielle Tate, which was a, a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. And um, she said to me, wow, that's definitely one of your best interviews yet. I said, what, what do you mean? What made it good? She said, um, you guys just really, really clicked together. And it was a really interesting discussion. So if you haven't heard the discussion with Danielle Tate, I think it's, is, is it 69? Episode 69? 69 is Danielle. Yeah. yeah. Hop onto Danielle's a an author of a great book about entrepreneurship. Um, and have a listen to that episode. So, yeah, we're going to try keep it up once a week. Um, and we'll see where we can go from there. Anyway, AR, VR, wow. That's all I have to say. So Kate and I Kate and I went down to the local Microsoft store yesterday on Pitt Street in Sydney, and they've got an HTC VR headset. Mm-hmm. And we thought we'd give it a go. I've tried VR before um, in New York last year, but I thought I'd try it again. I think, Kate, you hadn't tried it before at all? No, I've tried it. That's probably about the third time I've tried it. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I've tried a few different... Um, companies and and uh headsets so we tried the htc at micro we actually went down to try the ar halo lens halo lens originally hollow but lens hollow i think it's halo <laughs> okay yeah, hollow yeah uh, i'll double check it um but um that one you have to actually have to book to try which we're definitely going to do but we both had a go at the htc and um you know they let you use one of the applications and also play a game and um you know, each time, it's only my second time I've used virtual reality, but you definitely, you, you can't help but walk away thinking, this is just going to be big, right? Mm. You just Wow. Yeah. Mind just. blown. <laughs> but also the this sort of effect where you're really excited, but you're also like, oh, it's a, a moment of disappointment as well because it's not as exciting in the real world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> It's like coming out of a, a fun, exciting movie and it's just the world seems a bit flat and, and, and one-dimensional. But, you know, like I chatted about with, with Kathy in um, the interview, um, 
you know, it's still a little bit of a way away, but um, going into the virtual reality world and having a real-time chat with someone who's passed away based on some of that technology that we've spoken about, that mm. Adobe Photoshop for audio, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a little bit creepy, though. It's creepy. It's pretty creepy, you know, but mm. the technology almost seems, you know, like it's 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 on, on its way and... Yeah, I don't. I think there's all sorts of social ramifications and and psychological ramifications if you start playing with life and death and um, even violence on that kind of level. Mm. Yeah, there's there's got to be, be some parameters when they create this and it becomes such on a big scale. It's going to be. I mean, yeah, the the ethical and moral issues and you know, but yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, surgical training. I mean, I can see you know simulations. Um, and the AR, so the the AR with the 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 Halo lens, the Microsoft um, Hololens, Holo or Halo? Let me check. Can you check quick? I can't with my. Oh, I'm on the screen. Oh, you're on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so Microsoft's product, um, you know, where you wear it and you interact alongside your normal reality, so mm. it layers it on top of it. Is also, you know, really interesting. It's almost just a user interface to the world, but your existing world, it doesn't totally change it in yes. its entirety. No, and you don't need to calibrate a certain area like you do with the virtual reality. Like it's anywhere, anytime, and you don't need the hand controllers. You can actually yes. use your fingers to indicate and build things in real space. And you don't have to set it up. I mean, the, set it up with the, you know, the VR. You got to set the room up properly, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I was sort of saying the calibrating. You have to mark out yeah. where a safe area to play is. Otherwise, you start running into things in the real world. Yeah, it's um, a lot. The simplicity, I think, of the AR and getting it right. And there's some interesting videos that they have with the, mm. the Microsoft's product. Um, and I think it's definitely, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of significant technologies start out as a toy nearly all of them start out as a toy mm. you know you can see that it's really big in the gaming sphere at the moment and whether it's the Wright brothers and the airplane or social media or you know so so much technology starts out as a toy and then it finds its its real world application and i think vr and ar is 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 really going to be big and i mean it's still very expensive the HTC headset, what was about two thousand Australian dollars? Yeah, I think the Hololens on their website they're quoting about eight thousand. I think that's the developer edition, though, right? Is it only available to developers? No, there's two versions. So okay. there's a standard version and a developer edition. I think the standard, the the standard edition is about half of that. I think still very expensive. Yeah. Still very expensive. Mm. Um, definitely. I, personally, I would wait for it to iterate a little bit more because. Even though it's still a quite a, a sleek design, it's very chunky. If they can make it into something similar to sunglasses, then I think they're on a winner. Or Google Glass. Well, that didn't work. They stopped, yeah. they stopped um, iterating on that for some reason. Interesting thing is Apple, I mean, Apple's, you know, mm. uh, is not 
not vocal. I mean, I mean, Facebook, of course, is you know bought Oculus Rift for a lot of money, and they, mm. um, you know, it's all about VR. And and Facebook see that you know the next space that people are going to be interacting is in the AR VR space. Mm. Um, you know, Apple might be doing something very under wraps. You would, you know, they're smart people. I would imagine mm. they're doing something. Yes, and they might be waiting until they get it really right. But it's still, it's still, um, they're taking a big leap of faith by not not having anything i mean they could really get a gazumped you know mm. by by all these other microsoft's pushing hard and all of I was this i'm gonna say yeah microsoft are taking the lead from what i can tell yeah definitely and the apple are gonna miss out if they don't hurry up yeah so hurry up apple we love you but <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to go to microsoft <laughs> <laughs> don't make us don't make it look microsoft has changed a lot you know from the windows xp days it's changed a lot but that's mm. that's the beauty of competition keeps us all on our toes you mm. know but you know that even kathy said in her interview that it's the you know vr ar is the next big computing platform and so we've got all these different tech companies attempting to be the leader i'm curious to see who wins it might you know just like 10 years ago the leading companies were different companies you know, and then they get overtaken. And they get overtaken, mm. right? And that's where, um, you know, there's there's a famous academic from Harvard, Clay Christensen, who talks about the um, innovation and how as companies succeed, it becomes harder for them to, to innovate by definition mm. for a variety of factors. He's, it's a wonderfully eloquent argument. And... Um, and that's why there's always always going to be room for the upstarts, right? There's yeah. always going to be room for the upstarts and it becomes really hard for these companies. Same with Google. They tried with Glass, didn't really get anywhere. Um, you know, they've got the cardboard VR headset that's very cheap. Yeah. I haven't I tried it. what they called that. But yeah. Yeah. They integrated a similar thing with like a McDonald's toy or something. I think yeah, I saw an ad. <laughs> so so it was funny this morning. I was chatting to a friend, saying I'm recording the podcast this afternoon, and we're going to be talking about um, you know virtual reality. And I said to him, "Have you ever tried virtual reality? It's amazing." And he said, "Yeah, when I was a kid, I had the ViewMaster." You oh, know? it's You know, and it in a way, in a way, it is. It's lo-fi. Beginning of it. The beginning of it. You mm. know. Anyway, that's. Um, episode 71 um we hope you enjoy the show please go to itsamonkey.com for the show notes you can leave comments um you can see previous episodes there as well and what really helps us a lot is if you go to itunes and review the show if you go to itsamonkey.com you'll find the link to itunes and just put a two second comment there really helps us in uh, getting discovered on itunes um, we'll be back next week with uh, another fantastic show. Um, we might continue. I see we're getting some hearts and Periscope there, Kate. Yeah. I don't <laughs> what know do they that, mean? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Someone's liking it. We don't know who they are because Periscope doesn't let you see who they are. As far mm-hmm. as we can tell, um, we might try Periscope again. It's sort of fun, right? It'll be particularly fun if we can have many users and um, you know they can write us questions while we're doing that. It's always been my vision actually to have a live version of the show mm. um, and then wrap it into a podcast. You know, that's would people been, tweet in questions? Yeah, look, it would be great if we could you know have at the same time every week and we get the user base and and people get to know it's listening and we can even feed it through live we should even potentially mm. try it and even potentially see if there's a way we can play the interview yeah through um, oh, well next week we should send out a tweet on the monkey podcast and say tune in now 
could. It's a little bit late for America time, though. What's yeah? Oh, not too bad for West Coast. East Coast is fast asleep still, mm. but Australia's wide awake. Anyway, that's been episode seventy. One, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Bye.